Hi everyone, welcome to Dr. Mommy Speaks Parenting Podcast. I am your host Dr. Rahat Sayed. I am a physician, parenting coach and a mom of two. I believe that parenting isn't something that should be learned on the job. Raising good humans is one of the most important tasks of our lives. And just like any other task, you need to learn how to do it right. Here at Dr. Mommy Speaks, we have expert interviews, practical advices and my personal parenting experience as a Dr. Mommy on child health, positive parenting techniques and dealing with challenging behaviors in children. Hi everyone, welcome to Dr. Mommy Speaks Parenting Podcast. This episode is for parents who are struggling with kids having challenging behavioral issues like anxiety or stress. I'm your host, Dr. Rahat. We're thrilled that you could join us. So today we have with us Dr. Kadira, who's a pediatrician from Bangalore. She has done her MBBS and DCH. She's currently practicing as a pediatrician at a corporate hospital. She's also an artist and has been supporting local women artisans by providing them platform for their work. She has been a type one diabetic since the age of eight years, which has convinced her to educate type one diabetic survivors, especially parents of such children. She also has an upcoming book that aims at raising awareness about diabetes and its management. Hi, Dr. Kadira. Thank you so much for taking the time out and doing this. Hi, Dr. Rahat. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm glad I'm the part of today's podcast. Thank you. So I hear you are the director of the Riyas Charitable Trust, which is a non-profit organization. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yes. Uh, Riyas Charitable Trust is a, a non-profit organization where I support type 1 diabetic patients. I won't call them as patients. They are my friends. Okay, they are the kids who are type 1 diabetic and oh. have been struggling to overcome with the situations. And I have been providing them with the consumables who are non-affordable. I have been providing them with few of the counselings where parents and the kids themselves find very difficult in coping up the situations. So I have been supporting them. And I really hope that I keep supporting them, each and every kid who are being going through type 1 diabetics. That, that's really amazing. And we're, we really appreciate the work you're doing. So moving on with our show today, we have a huge lineup of questions. Let's start with anxiety. So what can anxiety look like in a child? I mean, for an adult, we can be anxious about paying bills or due to our relationship or maybe the boss. But what about kids? How do they perceive anxiety? Okay, uh, when it comes to anxiety in children, they, the most common symptom what, we, what they present is with difficulty in concentrating, not sleeping well. They present even with night terrors, which means they wake up with bad dreams. They will present like angry, irritable and outburst and they'll be clingy, always crying always crying presence in early stage of childhood. They present usually with aneurysis that is frequent in, involuntary passing of urines. They are irritable. 
and uh, at uh, at a later period of time they present to the doctors with you know frequent tummy pains feeling unwell where the cause is non organic okay uh, so we have different types of anxieties where we see in children kind of separation anxiety social anxiety which we observe in older children okay okay so basically uh, bedwetting and clingy behavior irritability these are the important signs to look for and difficult to concentrate i have seen so many kids who present to me uh, with difficulty in concentration that also, is the most i yes i would concentrate more on hard to con uh, more concentration on with they present with difficulty in concentrating at the schools at mm -hmm. home not response to what you speak right right okay so that was the signs and symptoms of or in short how to know if your child has anxiety uh, coming to the next question now i'm a mom of two toddlers and i would love to know what's the deal with preschoolers and their separation anxiety that has been particularly tough on my family um, how can we as primary caregivers try to reduce this i feel parents are the best observers and the caregivers before joining them uh, to any kind of separation that is that itself means separation anxiety the word itself represents that they they develop with some anxiety which is developed due to kind of separation the separation may present with the school or the environment or the parents these are the different types of separation anxiety which we see regularly in a preschool so in early childhood it is a normal uh, part of development but once they uh, cross the first birthday they can they can behave with separation anxiety there is change in environment or they may present with stress or overprotective parents or insecurities these all causes to separation anxiety so uh, joining first uh, before joining the first pre primary school as a caregiver you are supposed to make familiar to the new surroundings that is you are supposed to talk more about the new surroundings give them a positive and interesting talks about the schools then practice them separations the most important which you can give as a prime uh, primary caregiver at home is practice separations after naps and feedings so that the children will get used to it okay then give them a goodbye rituals that means you are supposed to make them practice a wave off from the through the windows or a goodbye kiss okay tell your children that you are leaving and when you leave you are going to return back that we have many of the parents practice that is the most 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 acceptable practice which do the parents i have observed having a positive response that is teaching your child that you are leaving and you will return back whenever you go outside without your kids and most important thing is as the kids are more exposed to the televisions you have to reduce the scary television shows that will cause less fearfulness and less frightening in the kids which will help them in cope up with separations okay so uh, the most important thing that i found in the entire answer was that you know the wave off and the goodbye ritual because we actually practiced it and it had helped me a lot to get back to work that was the most important one yes that i have observed in a lot of parents where they have coped with separation anxiety with just a goodbye kiss they say they get habituated to it and they give a very positive response when you say give a goodbye kiss and even waving matters a lot 
Oh yeah, so it could be any ritual that is customized to whatever yes. fits the parents and the child. Yes, yes, yes. And oh. one more thing, when yes, you so. have this uh, separation anxiety kind of thing before, like I said, you are supposed to make them. Uh, you know, you have to introduce them and give positive, interesting talks about uh, the new environments. Make them familiar to the new environment. That also has helped a lot of parents. Okay, so talking about the new situation that is going to happen, or the transitions that changes that are going to take place, and familiarizing them with it is going to make a huge difference. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, perfect. So, uh, our next question is, uh, actually, this is a personal question. Uh, see, certain things can become such huge problems for our kids, and they don't mean a bit to us. For example, joining a new preschool or changing homes. In other words, I've noticed that children get anxious with any sort of transition or change in their routine. Uh, what can we do to work on this and make it better for our kids? Wonderful question. This is also a very one of the most common uh, behavioral problems which we noticed in the pediatric age group. So um, everybody faces transition, Dr. Rahat. Even adult faces transition, but they overcome with the transition very quickly. Even the older children, it is very easily for them to cope up with transitions. Transition does is not stuck to one thing. In kids, you have a number of factors and a number of things which causes them. Uh, you know, this is something called echo anxiety. That is transition or change in the environment, change in the school, change in the house. There are a number of uh, such things. Usually, the you know the causes of this. It is the most uh, important cause of anxiety that is change and transition okay so it, uh, a few examples and what we are supposed to do is before in any kind of transition you do you have to prepare your children how before joining the uh, doing any kind of transition you have to introduce to the new transitions and likely like new places or discuss about it or discuss about the environment or uh, discuss about the school and give the positivity about transitions. Most important thing, you have to talk positive. Both the parents, you have to talk positive about the transitions. Third thing is, plan with the children what exciting you're going to do about that transition. Like if you're going to shift to a new house, that is a kind of transition. They might not be easily accepting the new house because they are used to their old house. So you have to plan accordingly, exciting things you, you want them to do along with them. So this will play a major role before you're uh, planning any kind of transition. Once you plan, uh, once you have, you are done with the transition, the most important thing as a prime primary care, caregiver or a parent, you're supposed to recognize any kind of change you observe in a kid after the transition. Unlikely if you, if they move to a new school, you are supposed to observe the kid, recognize if you find any kind of changes like anxiety, the most important thing, any aggression, or any sad behavior. And then you have to praise them for accepting the transition. Second most important thing. You, even if they talk negative about the transition, you're supposed to keep praising them that they are going, doing good with the transitions. They are having, a, they are giving a positive result for the transitions. So they are, you have to reward them basically. And talk a positive talk about the uh, transitions. The most important thing. Wow, that that was amazing. I mean, appreciating your kid and the reward giving behavior are such amazing pointers. I am sure it's going to help so many people, including myself. It, it will. Indeed, it will. 
so uh, bedwetting, yeah, is bedwetting or enuresis, as we call it in medical terms, uh, is that a sign of anxiety in children? And also uh, for a child, uh, for example, if a child was dry by night and day, and now he starts bedwetting, what do we make of that? Bedwetting, unless it is proven uh, a non-organic cause, then it is, yes, it is a behavioral or related to anxiety. Yes, it is a part of anxiety. The pair, as a parent, you first need to observe whether the, parent, whether the child is anxious, going through any kind of depression or going through any kind of behavioral changes. Bedwetting, as everybody knows, maybe that involuntary urination, which is very much normal up to five to six years of age, where we give the kids a complete toilet training up to five years. Right. It is a normal yeah. part of the development up to five to six years. Once you notice a bedwetting or, or an enuresis along with any kind of behavioral changes, then it is re absolutely related to anxiety. So a child may develop, you know, guilt, embarrassment, loss of social activity. These are the uh, associated symptoms along with uh, bedwetting. So no organic causes found in stress-related bedwetting, but it can indirectly cause the children to behave abnormally, causing them bedwetting. There is no organic cause which, which states that, okay, stress or anxiety, it can cause bedwetting. Bedwetting in anxiety, it is caused by main four reasons. One is sleep deprivation. If the child is anxious, then there will be sleep deprivation. Second thing I can say, uh, binge eating. Yes, a lot of salt. It can cause enuresis and bedwetting. Okay. Third, whenever they have stress or anxiety, they, don't do, they do not empty their bladder at the night. They drink a lot of fluids at the bedtime. So these are the four main reasons why child has enuresis when they are in stress. So what you are supposed to do, in short, I'll tell you, Dr. Rahat, hey, you have to rule out the cause. Why is the child having bedwetting or enuresis? Once you rule out, it is a stress-related. There are few things, uh, there, there is a few behavioral therapy which, can can, which you can do for the child. First, most important thing is we do bedwetting alarm therapy. If you rule out, okay, it is stress-related, you have to treat for the stress. Along with that, you have to give some alarm therapy. That is, you have to make your child wake up in the middle of the night and make them uh, pass to the loo and then get back. This is called as alarm therapy. Second, be supportive to your child in any situation, whether it is organic or non-organic cause for bedwetting, please be supportive for your children. Do not blame them. Do not punish them for bed, uh, bedwetting. Encourage to use them for bathrooms at the night. Four most important thing as a prime giver, I would stress and stress and stress, stress be patient with the child along with this therapy. Please be patient. That means you do not have to blame or punish them. Instead, you have to reward them for every dry night. Be supportive to your child and assure them bedwetting isn't their fault because it is stress-related. These are the basic things which a prime caregiver, prime, caregiver, prime caregiver can give other than any doctor. That, that was really nice. Uh, firstly, most important is to be supportive to your children. And the yes. second most important thing, the alarm therapy. I really love that concept. And I'm sure yes. it's going to be useful to many parents who are struggling with it. Yes. Uh, so we're coming to a very heavy topic now, ADHD. The word itself gives me goosebumps as a parent. Uh, not because of the stigma associated with it, 
but because I cannot imagine how difficult it would be to handle them. So uh, can you tell us what behaviors are normal for their age and what are the red flag signs that we need to look for when it comes to ADHD? Parent ADHD, it, what is the full form of ADHD? Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Attention deficit, there are three components which we follow in ADHD. That is attention deficit. That is they have sustained, uh, they have difficulty in sustaining to attention. That is they do not listen when to speak, when you speak. Second component is hyperactivity. That is they are restless. Third, they have impulse behavior. That means they have low frustration tolerance. They have aggression. But as a parent, they may misunderstand a child with ADHD that they are misbehaving, which is wrong. They're, the three components itself indicates ADHD. ADHD is caused by a number of reasons. So parent has to be very clear that the child is not behaving. Instead, if they have all these three components, they are need to rule out the cause. The cause could be like, in number like blood blood relatives the most important organic causes the blood relations may have adhd second main causes troubled relationships third main causes transitions that is change of house behavior relationships that can cause an emotional abuse to the children so that causes poor school performances which is very much noticed in adhd that is they have uh, difficulty in uh, uh, sustaining the attention Okay, so ADHD is also associated with you know, a lot of learning disabilities like antisocial behavior where they withdraw themselves from friends, from relatives, from their own parents. Okay, yes, it is scary, but no, it is not scary again. I would say it's scary because it has a lo long journey to cope up for parents. They need a lot of time, patience for uh, to cope up with ADHD along with the kids. So how do you, you know, you uh, as a parent, there is no diagnostic test for ADHD. There is no specific test for ADHD. But if you find any red flag signs that child is very much aggressive, very much impulse, very much restless, then you have to reach out to a doctor where there is no specific test again i'm telling they'll do only a medical examination second they'll, they'll just withdraw a total detailed history which can solve all your problems as a parent i would suggest you are supposed to learn about adhd please learn about adhd if your child is diagnosed with it get involved with the kids teach them disciplines one by one with very much warmth Okay, spend maximum time with the kids and then you can focus on teaching techniques. Talk to the child, talk to the child, talk to the child. I would stress this because parents are the best observers, parents are the best teachers and parents are the best doctors to the kids. So please get attached and spend maximum time with the kids if you find them, they, are, they have ADHD. ADHD is not a chronic disorder. ADHD is a prolonged disorder. Uh, it is a prolonged behavioral change with few of the techniques like education therapy, with parent therapy. I would prefer every kid who has ADHD or every parent who, who has experienced ADHD with the kids, they have to go through a technique called love therapy. That can help your kid to overcome ADHD. 
Thank you so much. That was amazing. So love therapy and uh, having a family history or a history of emotional abuse, then you might want to look into this. And also that there is no particular diagnostic test. I got such lovely takeaways from this session today. Thank you so much for such an insightful session, Dr. Khadr. Thank I'm you so sure, much. I'm sure tons of parents are going to I'm, benefit from I'm this glad, episode. Really, I mean, uh, there have been uh, so many questions in my mind when it comes to ADHD and uh, the fact that uh, parents are the best doctors. I really love that. Thank you so much. Guys, if you want any more insights, you can visit Dr. Kadira's Instagram and Facebook page, which is filled with lots of insightful posts, the links of which will be mentioned in my show notes. And her upcoming book, you will also find in my website in the show notes. That's it for today. Do subscribe to my podcast so you will be notified each time a new episode is online. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn as Dr. Mommy Speaks. Don't forget to like and review our podcast wherever you listen. It will help others to find this podcast. And you can visit our website drmommyspeaks.com forward slash podcast for all our show notes and any resources mentioned by me or my guests. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Until then, happy parenting!